Part three, chapter six of A Raw Youth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Raw Youth by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. Part three, chapter six. I must beg the reader to remember again that I had a slight giddiness in my head. If it had not been for that, I should have acted and spoken differently. In the shop, in a back room, one could indeed have eaten oysters, and we sat down to a table covered with a filthy cloth. Lambert ordered champagne. A glass of cold wine of a golden color was set before me and seemed looking at me invitingly, but I felt annoyed. You see, Lambert, what annoys me most is that you think you can order me about now, as you used to do at Touchard's, while you are cringing upon everybody here. You fool! Ay, let's clink glasses. You don't even deign to keep up appearances with me. You might at least disguise the fact that you want to make me drunk. You are talking rot, and you're drunk. You must drink some more, and you'll be more cheerful. Take your glass, take it. Why do you keep on? Take it. I am going, and that's the end of it. And I really did get up. He was awfully vexed. It was Trishatov whispered that to you. I saw you whispering. You are a fool for that. Alphonsine is really disgusted if he goes near her. He's a dirty beast. I'll tell you what he's like. You've told me already. You can talk of nothing but your Alphonsine. You're frightfully limited. Limited? He did not understand. They've gone over now to that pockmarked fellow. That's what it is. That's why I sent them about their business. They're dishonest. That fellow's a blackguard, and he's corrupting them. I insisted that they should always behave decently. I sat still, and as it were, mechanically took my glass and drank a draught. I'm ever so far ahead of you in education, I said, but he was only too delighted that I went on sitting there and at once filled up my glass. And you know you're afraid of them, I went on taunting him, and no doubt I was even nastier than he was at that moment. Andreev knocked your hat off, and you gave him twenty-five roubles for it. I did give it him, but he'll pay me back. They are rebellious, but I'll be quits with them. You are awfully upset by that pockmarked man. And do you know it strikes me that I'm the only one left you? All your hopes now are resting on me, aren't they? Yes, Arkasha, that is so. You are the only friend left me. You are right in saying that. He slapped me on the shoulder. What could be done with a man so crude? He was utterly obtuse, and took irony for serious praise. You could save me from bad things if you would be a good comrade, Arkady, he went on, looking at me caressingly. In what way could I save you? You know yourself what it is. Without me, like a fool, you will certainly be stupid. But I'd get you thirty thousand, and we would go halves, and you know how. Why, think who you are. You're nothing. No name, no position. And here, you'd win first prize straight off, 
and having such a fortune you'll know how to make a career i was simply astounded at this attack i had taken for granted that he would dissemble but he had begun upon it with such bluntness such schoolboyish bluntness i resolved to listen to him from a desire to be open-minded and from intense curiosity look here lambert you won't understand this but i'm consenting to listen to you because i'm open-minded i declared firmly and again i took a gulp at my glass lambert at once filled it up i'll tell you what arcady if a fellow like boring had dared to abuse me and strike me in the presence of a lady i adored i don't know what i should have done but you put up with it i'm ashamed of you you're a poor creature how dare you say that boring struck me i shouted turning crimson it was more i struck him than he me no it was he struck you not you struck him you're lying i trod on his foot too but he shoved you back and told the footman to drag you away and she sat and looked on from her carriage and laughed at you she knows that you have no father and that you can be insulted i don't understand this schoolboyish conversation lambert and i'm ashamed of it you are saying this to irritate me and as crudely and as openly as though i were a boy of sixteen you've been plotting with anna andreyevna i cried trembling with anger and still mechanically sipping my wine anna andreyevna is a sly jade she's humbugging you and me and all the world i have been waiting for you because you can best finish off with that woman with what woman with madame amakoff i know all about it you told me yourself that she's afraid of that letter you've got what letter you're talking nonsense have you seen her i muttered in confusion yes i saw her she's beautiful très belle and you've taste i know you've seen her but you did not dare speak to her and i wish you did not dare to speak of her either you're a boy and she laughs at you so there we had a virtuous lady like that in moscow oh didn't she turn up her nose but she began to tremble when we threatened that we would tell all we knew and she knuckled under directly and we got all we wanted both ways money and you understand now she's virtue unapproachable again in society foo my word isn't she high and mighty and hasn't she got a turnout ah you should have seen that little back room it happened in you've not lived if only you knew the little back rooms they don't shrink from i've thought that i could not help muttering they're corrupt to their very fingertips you don't know what they're capable of alphonsine lived in a house like that and she was disgusted i have thought of that i chimed in again but they beat you and you complain lambert you're a blackguard you're a damned beast i cried suddenly pulling myself together and beginning to tremble i have dreamed all this you were in it and anna andreyevna oh you damned brute did you really think i was such a scoundrel i dreamed it because i knew that you would say this and besides 
all this can't be so simple that you can talk to me about it so simply and directly he is in a rage tut 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 lambert drawled laughing and triumphant well arkasha my boy now i've found out all i wanted to know that's why i was so eager to see you listen you love her i see and want to revenge yourself on boring that's what i wanted to find out i've been suspecting it all this time while i've been waiting to see you ceci posé cela change la question and so much the better for she loves you too so you must marry her without a moment's delay that's the best thing you can't do anything else that's your safest position and then remember arcady that you have a friend in me of whom you can make any use you like and that friend will help you and will marry you i'll move heaven and earth arkasha and you can give your old friend thirty thousand for his trouble afterwards eh and i'll help you don't doubt that i know all the ins and outs of the business and they shall give you the whole dowry and you'll be a wealthy man with a career before you though my head was in a whirl i looked at lambert with wonder he was in earnest and not merely in earnest in what he said but in believing in the possibility of my marrying i could see that he thoroughly believed in it himself and in fact caught at the idea with enthusiasm i saw of course too that he was entrapping me like a schoolboy i certainly must have seen it even then but the thought of marrying her so thrilled me that though i wondered how lambert could believe in such a fantastic notion yet at the same time i tried violently to believe in it myself though i did not for an instant lose consciousness of the fact that it could not possibly come to pass all this was mingled together at the same time but is it possible i faltered why not you will show her the letter she'll be frightened and marry you to keep her money i made up my mind not to stop lambert in his vile suggestions for he disclosed them to me with such simplicity and did not suspect that i might be revolted by them i did mutter however that i should not like to marry her simply by force i don't want to use force for anything how can you be so base as to think me capable of it hoity-toity why she'll marry you of her own accord it won't be your doing she'll be frightened and marry you herself and she'll marry you because she loves you too lambert put in hastily that's a lie you're laughing at me how do you know she loves me of course she does i know it and anna andreyevna assumes it it's the truth in earnest i'm telling you that anna andreyevna assumes it and i'll tell you something else when you come to me and you'll see that she does love you alphonsine has been at sarsko she found out there what could she find out there you come back with me she'll tell you herself and it will please you why aren't you as good as anybody you are handsome you are well educated yes i am well educated i answered hardly able to breathe my heart was thumping and of course not only from the wine you are handsome you are well dressed 
Yes, I'm well-dressed. And you are good-natured. Yes, I'm good-natured. Why shouldn't she consent? Boring won't take her without money anyway, and you can deprive her of her money, so she'll be in a fright. You'll marry her and punish Boring. Why, you told me yourself that night after you were frozen that she was in love with you. Can I have told you that? I'm sure I did not tell you that. Yes, you did. I was delirious when I said that. I suppose I told you of the letter, too? Yes, you told me you had such a letter. I thought at the time, how can he let slip his luck if he has such a letter? It's all a mad idea, and I'm not so stupid as to believe it, I muttered. To begin with, there's a difference in our ages, and besides, I've no surname. But she'll marry you, though. She can't help marrying you when it's a question of so much money. I'll arrange that. And what's more, she loves you. You know that old prince is very well disposed to you. Through his protection, you know, you can form connections. And what does it matter if you have no name? Nowadays, nothing of that's necessary. Once you pocket the money, you'll get on and get on, and in ten years' time you will be such a millionaire that all Russia will resound with your fame. So you won't need a name then. Why, you can buy a title in Austria. And when you get married, keep her well in hand. They want a firm hand. If a woman's in love, she likes to feel a man's got a tight grip on her. Women like will in a man. When you frighten her with the letter, from that hour you will show her you have strength of will. Ah, she'll say he's so young and yet he has will. I sat, as it were, spellbound. I should never with anyone else have sunk to such an idiotic conversation. But in this case, a sort of voluptuous craving drew me on to continue it. Besides, Lambert was so stupid and so low that no one could feel ashamed of anything before him. No, do you know, Lambert, I said suddenly, you may say what you like, but a great deal of this is absurd. I have been talking to you because we were schoolfellows, and we need not be ashamed of saying anything to one another, but I would not have demeaned myself to it with anyone else for any consideration. And, first of all, Tell me why you keep repeating so positively that she's in love with me. That was quite good, what you said just now about having capital. But you see, Lambert, you don't know anything of good society. All this is still with them on the most patriarchal family system, so to say. And, therefore, as so far, she does not know my abilities and what a position I may achieve in the world, she'll be ashamed of me. But I won't conceal from you, Lambert, that there really is one point that might give one hope. You see, she might marry me from gratitude, because I might save her from a man she hates, and she is afraid of that man. Ah, you mean your father? Why is he so much in love with her? Lambert said, pricking up his ears with peculiar curiosity. Oh, no, I cried, and how horrid you are! And at the same time, how stupid, Lambert! Why, if he were in love with her, how could I want to marry her? After all, we are father and son. That would be shameful. 
he loves my mother my mother and i saw how he held her in his arms i did think at one time he loved katerina nikolaevna but now i know for certain that though he may once have loved her he has hated her for a long time now and wants to revenge himself on her and she's afraid of him for i tell you lambert he is very terrible when he begins to revenge himself he becomes almost insane when he's in a rage with her he doesn't stick at anything this is a feud in the old style on account of the loftiest principles in our time we don't care a hang for any general principles nowadays there are no general principles but only special cases ah oh, lambert you don't understand you're as stupid as a post i am talking to you about these principles but i'm sure you don't understand you are awfully uneducated do you remember you used to beat me now i'm stronger than you are do you know that arkasha come home with me we'll spend the evening and drink another bottle and alphonsine will sing to the guitar no i am not coming listen lambert i've got an idea if i don't succeed and don't marry i shall fall back on the idea but you haven't an idea all right all right you shall tell me about it come along i am not coming i said getting up i don't want to and i'm not coming i shall come and see you but you are a blackguard i'll give you thirty thousand but i am cleaner and better than you i see you want to deceive me all round but i forbid you even to think of her she's above everyone and your plan is so low that i really wonder at you lambert i want to be married that's a different matter but i don't want money i despise money i wouldn't take it if she begged me to on her knees but marriage marriage that's a different matter but you know that was quite right what you said that one ought to keep a tight hand on her it's a good thing to love to love passionately with all the generosity of which a man is capable and which can never be found in a woman but to be despotic is a good thing too for do you know lambert a woman loves despotism you understand woman lambert but you are wonderfully stupid in everything else and do you know lambert you are not at all such a blackguard as you seem you're simple i like you ah oh, lambert why are you such a rogue what a jolly time we might have if you weren't you know trishatov's a dear these last incoherent phrases i muttered in the street oh i set all this down in every trivial detail that the reader may see that with all my enthusiasm and my vows and promises to reform and to strive for seemliness i was capable then of falling so easily and into such filth and i swear that if i were not fully convinced that i am no longer the same but have gained strength of character by practical life i should not have confessed all this to the reader we went out of the shop and lambert supported me slightly putting his arm round me suddenly i looked at him and saw in his fixed terribly intent and perfectly sober eyes the very same expression as i had seen that morning when i was frozen and when he had led me to the cab with his arm round me in the same way and listened all eyes and ears to my incoherent babble men who are drunk but not quite hopelessly drunk sometimes have moments of absolute soberness 
I'm not going home with you for anything, I declared firmly and coherently, looking at him sarcastically and putting aside his arm. Come, nonsense. I'll tell Alphonsine to make tea for us. Come. He was horribly confident that I should not get away. He put his arm round me and held me with a sort of relish as his prey, and the prey was what he needed, of course, that evening and in that condition. It will be clear later why. I'm not coming, I repeated. Cab! At that instant, a sledge drove up and I jumped into it. Where are you off to? What are you about? yelled Lambert, clutching at my fur coat in extreme dismay. And don't dare to follow me, I cried. Don't drive after me. At that very instant, the sledge started, and my coat was torn out of Lambert's hands. You'll come all the same, he shouted after me in an angry voice. I shall come if I want to. I can do as I like, I retorted, turning round in the sledge. He did not follow me, of course, because there did not happen to be another sledge at hand, and I succeeded in getting out of his sight. I drove on as far as the haymarket, and there I stopped and dismissed the sledge. I had a great desire to walk. I was not conscious of being tired or of being much intoxicated. I felt full of vigor. I was aware of a fresh flow of energy, of an exceptional readiness for any sort of enterprise, and of innumerable pleasant ideas in my brain. My heart was thudding violently and loudly. I could hear every beat and everything seemed so charming, so easy. When I passed the sentry at the haymarket, I felt inclined to go up and kiss him. There was a thaw. The marketplace was dingy and evil-smelling, but I was delighted even with the marketplace. I am in the Obuhovsky prospect, I thought, and afterwards I shall turn to the left and come out in the Semyonovsky polk. I shall take a shortcut. That's delightful. It's all delightful. My coat is unbuttoned. How is it no one snatches it off? Where are the thieves? They say there are thieves in the haymarket. Let them come. I might give them my fur coat. What do I want with a fur coat? A fur coat is property. La propriété, c'est le vol. But what nonsense! And how nice everything is! It's nice that the snow is melting. Why frost? There's no need of a frost at all. It's nice to talk nonsense, too. What was it I said to Lambert about principles? I said there were no general principles, but only special cases. That was stuff, utter stuff. And I said it on purpose, out of swagger. I am a little ashamed, but after all, it doesn't matter. I'll make up for it. Don't be ashamed. Don't distress yourself, Arkady Makarovitch. Arkady Makarovitch, I like you. I like you very much. In fact, my young friend, it's a pity you're a little rascal. And, and, ah, yes, ah. I suddenly stood still, and my heart began to ache with ecstasy again. Good God, what was it he said? He said that she loves me. Oh, he is a scoundrel. He told a lot of lies. That was to make me stay the night with him. 
but perhaps not he said anna andreyevna thinks so too bah but daria onisimovna might have found out something about it for him she pokes her nose into everything and why didn't i go to him i should have found out everything hmm he has a plan and i had a presentiment of it all every bit of it the dream a bold scheme monsieur lambert only let me tell you it won't be so perhaps it will though perhaps it will and can he bring off my marriage perhaps he can he is naive and he believes it he is stupid and impudent like all practical people stupidity and impudence combined are a great force but confess you were really afraid of lambert arkady makarovitch and what does he want with honest people he says so seriously there isn't an honest man here why what are you yourself and what am i don't scoundrels need honest men in swindling honest men are more needed than anywhere <laughs> you did not know that till now arkady makarovitch you were so innocent good god what if he really were to bring about my marriage i stood still again here i must confess something stupid as it is all so long ago i must confess that i had long before been wishing to be married at least not wishing and it would never have happened and i can guarantee it never will in the future but more than once a great many times in fact i had dreamed how splendid it would be to be married especially as i was falling asleep at night i began to dream of it when i was about sixteen i had a schoolfellow of my own age at the high school called lavrovsky such a quiet sweet pretty boy not particularly distinguished in any other way however i hardly ever talked to him one day we happened to be sitting side by side and he was very dreamy and suddenly he said to me ah dolgoruki what do you think we ought to be married now yes really when should we be married if not now now would be the very best time and yet it's impossible and he said that so frankly and i agreed with it at once entirely for i already had visions of something of the sort for several days afterwards we met and talked as it were in secret only of that however but afterwards i don't know how it happened but we left off talking to each other and drifted apart and from that time i began to dream of marriage this of course would not have been worth mentioning only i wanted to show how far back this feeling sometimes goes there is only one serious objection i mused as i went on again oh of course the trivial difference in our ages is no real obstacle but she is such an aristocrat and i am simply dolgoruki it's awfully horrid hmm couldn't Versilov marry mother and petition the government for me to be legitimized as a reward for his services so to say he's been in the service so must have rendered services he was a mediator at the emancipation oh damn it all how loathsome i suddenly uttered this exclamation and stood still for the third time but this time i felt as though i had been crushed to the earth the agonizing feeling of humiliation 
from the consciousness that i could desire anything so shameful as the change of my surname by being legitimized this treachery to my whole childhood all this in one flash shattered my previous mood and all my joyfulness was dissipated like smoke no i'll never tell that to anyone i thought turning crimson i've sunk so low because i'm in love and stupid no if lambert is right in anything it is that nowadays in our age the man is what matters and afterwards his money or rather not his money but rather his property with a capital like that i would throw myself into the idea and all russia would ring with my fame in ten years and i would revenge myself on them all and there's no need to stand on ceremony with her lambert's right there she'll be frightened and simply marry me she'll consent in the simplest and most abject way and marry me you don't know you don't know in what little back room that happened i remembered lambert's words that's true i went on musing lambert's right in everything a thousand times more right than versilov and i and all the idealists he is a realist she shall see that i have strength of will and she will say he has will lambert's a scoundrel and all he wants is to get thirty thousand out of me and yet he is the only friend i have there is no other sort of friendship and there can be no other that's all been invented by unpractical people and i shan't even be degrading her shall i be degrading her not in the least all women are like that are there any women who are not abject that's why she must have a man over her that's why she's created a subordinate creature woman is vice and temptation and man is honor and generosity so it will be to the end of time and what if i do mean to use that document that does not matter that does not prevent honor or generosity pure unadulterated shillers don't exist they are invented it does not matter if one has to pass through filth to get there as long as the goal is magnificent it will all be washed off it will all be smoothed away afterwards and now it's only breadth it's only life it's only vital truth that's what it is called nowadays oh i repeat again i must be forgiven for recording all my drunken ravings at the time of course this is only the essence of what i thought then but i fancy i used those very words i was bound to record them because i have sat down to write in order to condemn myself and what is to be condemned if not that can there be anything graver in my life wine is no justification in vino veritas entirely absorbed in such dreams i did not notice that i had reached home that is mother's lodgings i did not even notice going in but as soon as i slipped into our tiny entrance i realized at once that something unusual was happening there were loud voices and outcries in the room and i could hear that mother was crying in the doorway i almost fell over lukeria who was running from makar ivanovitch's room to the kitchen i flung down my fur coat and went in to makar ivanovitch for they were all gathered together in his room 
There I found mother and Versilov. Mother was supported in his arms, and he was pressing her to his heart. Makar Ivanovitch was sitting as usual on his little bench, but he seemed overcome with weakness, and Liza had her arms round his shoulders, and with an effort was holding him up, and it was evident that he was on the point of falling. I took a rapid step towards him and realized with a shudder that the old man was dead. He had only just died, one minute before I arrived. Only ten minutes before he had felt just as usual. No one was with him then but Liza. She had been sitting with him, telling her grief, and he had been stroking her head, just as he had done the day before. Suddenly he began to tremble, Liza told us, tried to stand up, tried to cry out, and began falling on his left side, and was silent. Rupture of the heart, said Versilov. Liza uttered a scream that could be heard all over the house, and they had all run in at once, and all that, only the minute before I came in. Arkady, Versilov cried, run instantly to Tatiana Pavlovna. She's sure to be at home. Ask her to come at once. Take a sledge. Make haste, I entreat you. His eyes were shining. I remember that clearly. I did not notice in his face anything like simple pity, anything like tears. The others, mother, Liza, and Lucaria, were crying. I was struck, on the contrary, and I remember this very well, by a look of unusual excitement, almost of elation, in his face. I ran for Tatiana Pavlovna. It was not far to go, as the reader knows already. I did not take a sledge, but ran all the way without stopping. My mind was in confusion, and yet there was something almost like elation in my heart, too. I realized something momentous was happening. Every trace of drunkenness had disappeared completely, and with it every ignoble thought by the time I was ringing at Tatiana Pavlovna's door. The Finnish cook opened the door. Not at home! she said, and would have shut it at once. Not at home, I cried, and rushed headlong into the passage. Impossible! Makar Ivanovitch is dead! Wha? What? I heard Tatiana Pavlovna cry out in her drawing-room through the closed door. He is dead! Makar Ivanovitch is dead! Andrei Petrovitch begs you to go this minute! What nonsense you're talking! The bolt clicked but the door only opened an inch. What has happened? Tell me. I don't know. He was dead when I arrived. Andrei Petrovich says it's rupture of the heart. I'll come at once, this minute. Run and tell them I'm coming. Run along, run along, run along. What are you stopping for? But through the half-opened door, I had distinctly seen someone come suddenly out from behind the curtain that screened Tatiana Pavlovna's bed and that someone was standing at the back of the room behind Tatiana Pavlovna. Mechanically and instinctively I clutched at the lock and would not let the door be shut. Arkady Makarovitch, is it really true that he's dead? I heard a soft, smooth, ringing voice, a well-known voice that thrilled everything in my heart at once. In the question was a note of some emotion that deeply stirred her heart. Oh, if that's how it is, cried Tatiana Pavlovna, abandoning the door, if that's how it is, 
you may settle it to please yourself it's your own doing she ran full speed out of the flat flinging on her kerchief and her fur coat as she went downstairs we were left alone i threw off my fur coat took a step forward and shut the door she stood before me as she had done that time before with a bright face and just as she had done then she held out both hands to me as though i had been struck down i literally fell at her feet i was beginning to cry i don't know why i don't remember how she made me sit down beside her i only remember as one of my most precious memories that we sat side by side hand in hand and talked eagerly she was questioning me about the old man and his death and i was telling her about him so that it might have been supposed that i had been crying over makar ivanovitch though that would have been the acme of absurdity and i know that she could not possibly have suspected me of such childish banality all at once i pulled myself together and felt ashamed i imagine now that i cried simply from joy and i believe she knew that perfectly well so that my heart is quite at rest when i remember it it suddenly struck me as very strange that she should go on questioning me about makar ivanovitch why did you know him i asked in surprise yes i have never seen him but he has played a part in my life too i was told a great deal about him at one time by that man whom i fear you know what man i mean all i know is that that man has been in the past much nearer to your heart than you told me before i said i don't know what i meant to express by this but i spoke as it were reproachfully and with a frown you say he was kissing your mother just now holding her in his arms you saw that yourself she did not hear what i said but went on cross-examining me yes i saw it and believe me i hastened to assure her seeing her joy it was with true and generous feeling god granted she said crossing herself now he is set free that admirable old man simply held his life in bondage his death will mean for him a renewal of duty and dignity as they were renewed once before oh he is before all things generous he will give peace of heart to your mother whom he loves more than anything on earth and will at last be at peace himself and thank god it's high time he is dear to you yes very dear though not in the way he would have liked to be and you mean by your question and is it for yourself or for him that you are afraid now i asked suddenly oh these are deep questions let us leave them let us leave them of course but i knew nothing of this nor of too much else perhaps but may you be right now everything will begin anew and if any one is to be renewed it's i first of all i have been base in my thoughts in regard to you katerina nikolaevna and not more than an hour ago perhaps i was guilty of a low action in regard to you but do you know i am sitting beside you and feel no pang of conscience for everything now is over and everything is beginning anew and the man who was plotting vileness against you an hour ago i don't know and don't want to know come calm yourself she smiled 
one would think you were a little delirious. And how can one condemn oneself beside you, whether one is good or vile? You are as far beyond one as the sun. Tell me, how could you come out to me after all that's happened? Oh, if only you knew what happened only an hour ago, and what a dream has come true. I expect I know all that, she smiled softly. You have just been wanting to punish me in some way. You swore to ruin me, and would certainly have killed, or at least have beaten anyone who had dared to say one word against me. Oh, she smiled and jested, but this was only from her excessive kindness, for her heart at that moment, as I realized later, was full of such an immense anxiety of her own, such a violent, overmastering emotion, that she can only have talked to me, and have answered my foolish, irritating questions. She can only have done that as one sometimes answers the persistent prattle of a little child, simply to get rid of it. I understood that dully, and felt ashamed, but I could not help persisting. No, I cried, unable to control myself. No, I did not kill the man who spoke ill of you. I encouraged him instead. Oh, for goodness sake, please don't. There's no need to tell me anything, she said, suddenly putting out her hand to stop me, with a look of compassion in her face. But I leapt up from my seat, and was standing before her, to tell her everything. And if I had told her, nothing of what happened afterwards would have happened, for it would certainly have ended in my confessing everything, and returning the document to her. But she suddenly laughed. There is no need, there is no need of anything, no facts at all. I know all your misdoings. I'm ready to bet that you meant to marry me, or something of that sort, and you have only just been plotting about it with someone, with some accomplice, some old school friend. Why, I believe I've guessed right, she cried, looking gravely at my face. What? How could you guess? I faltered like a fool, tremendously impressed. Well, what next? But that's enough, that's enough. I forgive you, but no more about it. She waved her hand again with unmistakable impatience. I am given to dreaming myself, and if you only knew what shifts I have recourse to in my dreams when I let myself go, that's enough. You make me forget what I was going to say. I am very glad that Tatiana Pavlovna has gone away. I have been very anxious to see you, and we could not have talked as we are doing before her. I believe I was to blame for what happened. I was, of course I was. You to blame? But I had betrayed you to him, and what can you have thought of me? I've been thinking of that all this time, all these days. I've been thinking and feeling about it every minute. It was not a lie. There was no need for you to distress yourself so much. I quite understood at the time how it had all happened. You simply spoke too freely in your joy, then told him that you were in love with me, and that I, well, that I listened to you. Just what you would do at twenty. You love him more than anyone in the world, don't you? And look to him to be your friend, your ideal? I quite understood that, but it was too late. Oh, yes, I was to blame. 
I ought to have sent for you at the time, and have set your mind at rest, but I felt annoyed, and I told them not to admit you. That's what led to the scene at the entrance, and then that night. And do you know, like you, I've been dreaming all this time of meeting you secretly, only I did not know how to arrange it. And what do you suppose I dreaded more than anything? That you would believe what he said against me. Never! I cried. The memory of our meetings in the past is dear to me. The boy in you is very dear to me. And perhaps, too, that very sincerity... You know I'm a very serious person. I am one of the most serious and gloomy characters among modern women, let me tell you. <laughs> we'll have another talk sometime, but now I'm not quite myself. I am upset, and... I believe I'm a little hysterical, but at last, at last, he will let me, too, live in peace. This exclamation broke from her unconsciously. I understood it at once, and did not want to catch it up, but I trembled all over. He knows I've forgiven him, she exclaimed suddenly again, as though to herself. Could you really forgive him that letter? "'And how could he tell that you forgave him?' I could not help exclaiming. "'How could he tell?' "'Oh, he knows,' she went on answering me. Yet she looked as though she had forgotten my existence and were talking to herself. "'He has come to his senses now. "'And how could he not know that I forgave him "'when he knows every secret of my soul by heart? "'Why, he knows that I am a little after his kind myself.' "'You?' Why, yes, he knows that. Oh, I'm not passionate, I'm calm. But like him, I should like all men to be fine. Of course, there was something made him love me. How could he say that you had all the vices? He only said that. He has another secret in his heart. And didn't he write an awfully funny letter? Funny? I was listening to her with strained attention. I imagined that she really was hysterical, and it was speaking, perhaps, not for my benefit. But I could not resist the question. Oh, yes, funny, and how I should have laughed if, if I hadn't been frightened. Though I'm not such a coward, don't think it. But I didn't sleep all night after that letter. It seemed written in blood and frenzy. And after such a letter, what was left to come? I love life. I'm horribly afraid for my life. I'm horribly cowardly in that. Ah, oh, listen, she cried, suddenly darting at me. Go to him. He's alone now. He can't be there still. Most likely he's gone off somewhere alone. Make haste and find him. You must make haste. Run to him. Show him that you are his son and love him. Prove that you are the dear, kind boy, my student whom I... Oh, God give you happiness. I love nobody, and it is better so. But I want everyone to be happy, everyone, and him above all. And let him know that, at once, I should be very glad. She got up, and suddenly disappeared behind the curtain. At that instant, tears were shining on her face, hysterical after her laughter. I remained alone, agitated and confused. 
i was completely at a loss to what to ascribe such a motion in her an emotion which i never should have suspected something seemed to be clutching at my heart i waited five minutes ten the profound silence suddenly struck me and i ventured to peep out of the door and to call in answer to my call maria appeared and informed me in the most stolid tone that the lady had put on her things long long ago and gone out by the back way End of Part 3, Chapter 6 Recording by Linda Johnson, 